1: Hey everyone and welcome to our brand new show, It Ain't Weak to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. And welcome to It Ain't Week to Speak. Well, today is a very exciting day for us because this is the first episode of our new podcast. So, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. I also want to say a special shout out to everyone who has supported us over the years and who continues to support us. Your time, your commitment to the cause, your energy, it never goes unnoticed. And none of this stuff is even remotely possible without you guys. Big love will go out to our dear friend and our brother, Dwayne Lally. May your death never be carried in vain, mate, and your story will always live on so that we can save more lives. And to anyone else out there that might be struggling or who has lost someone to suicide, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being so strong. Thank you for holding on when times get very dark. And I also want to say that this show is for you. It's a community where we're trying to bring people together. I want to take everyone on a journey today. I want to rewind the clock and take you back to Livin's Origins, why it started, where it actually began, and our grand vision so that we can help more people across the world. I'll be bringing on the show with me my good friend, my partner in crime, and my fellow co-founder, Casey Lyons. It is an episode you don't want to miss. We've never done an episode together like this. Our history takes us back to when we were kids. We're arch enemies at one stage on the football field, to fellow housemates, and then on to obviously starting living. I want to make it very clear that safety is our first priority. Now, this episode may contain sensitive content, so I'm going to place all resources in the show notes section. So please check them out if you need to. Without further ado, let's please welcome Casey Lyons. Welcome, Mr. Casey Lyons. Mate, how are you today? Well,
2: thanks, mate. How
1: are you? Really good, man. Really good. Obviously, over here in LA. So I want to ask you first and foremost, before living, mate, what were you up to? Talk to me about your relationship with Dwayne and your life. How, how was all that?
2: You yeah, know, Dwayne and I, we met first day of grade one. So uh, we were the kids that got separated in. I think by about grade three, they separated us. They couldn't keep us in the same grade because we were just too naughty. But you know, that didn't stop anything. We did, we still saw each other at lunch and and outside of school we were still playing in the same football team. So our friendship started from quite a young age and it was it was something that, you know, we both cherished so much. It, you know, took on another path after school when the independence and freedom of having your own car came along and, you know, chasing girls and going to parties and doing all the things that, that young blokes do. Um, wherever he was, I was. through our early teens we've sort of somewhat separated. I was trying to play rugby league, and, and Dwayne was doing very good at boxing, and, and boxing just took up all of his time. He used to train before school, during school, after school, and that took him on to great things. Commonwealth Games Qualifier at a very young age, Australian Champ at a very young age. He was going good uh, in the boxing world, and then he had two elbow reconstructions, which kind of put a put an end to all of that. So. I suppose that's, that's him and I in a, in a very small nutshell.
1: Almost like brothers from another mother, so to speak.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, Dwayne was very cheeky and, and everyone that, or anyone that ever met him can can attest to that. And You know, he was always putting shit on me, I was always putting shit on him, but it, it always came from a good place and um, I miss the cheekiness and, the, and that, that, that smile that sort of certainly melted the ladies, but uh, warmed everyone else's hearts. What were
1: some of the... I guess, key qualities and attributes that Dwayne, I know you've mentioned, you know, loving, charismatic, caring, cheeky, he'd throw around banter, but what were some of the best attributes Dwayne showed to you as a best mate?
2: Well, I think he was honest. He didn't tell you what you wanted to hear. He told you what the truth was. So he always knew where he stood, uh, which was great. Uh, He was loving and then he was loyal. So I suppose out of a friend, you, you couldn't ask for any three better attributes or three better traits. You know, we clashed heads a lot, but if we ever did have a fight or come to blows, it was it was all over pretty quick and back to being um, the best of mates pretty quickly. I remember when we were young, I think I stayed at his house two or three nights in a row. I think by the third day, we were in a punch on. Kimbo dropped me back at home and then on Monday, it was like nothing had happened. Yeah, you know, that's just what boys do, I suppose, growing up, but um, yeah, loving, loyal, and and, and honest. Can we
1: fast forward now to 2013, or maybe even prior to that, to introducing Dwayne and I guess why Living started, and then maybe go back to the struggles that Dwayne faced as a young man, and why you and I are both see in this situation today, running a mental health nonprofit.
2: That's very hard to say, sort of when things started happening or things started changing for Dwayne. As it wasn't something he liked to talk about, uh, there was only a few of us that kind of knew what was going on. Uh, other people kind of guessed or or made assumptions. I look back and I think maybe the, the end of his boxing might have had something to do with it, You know, something taken away from him before it could unfold or, or take him to where he really wanted to go or where he dedicated himself to go. That's all hindsight and it's all speculation. But I know looking back, the hardest part for Dwayne was sort of telling people or articulating how he felt he never felt comfortable, he felt as though he was a burden to people, and I didn't quite understand what was going on back then, you know, he'd told me what was going on, but I still didn't have an understanding, and I suppose that was, looking back, one of the reasons why we, we had to choose the path we chose in the way in which we're doing it, because there were plenty of, of people doing plenty of great things, but what we noticed, uh, you and I, Sam, was people weren't sort of doing what we were doing, there was, there was sort of that gap in the market and. For Dwayne, that would have been very beneficial had he sort of had the information or the education that this is something quite normal, you know, mental illness is very normal. He's certainly not alone in his journey, uh, there's plenty of people just like him living with a mental illness and living wonderful great lives, um, just you know, managing their mental illness day to day. I suppose yeah, that was the catalyst looking back for, for doing what we are now doing. He just felt isolated, he felt different he felt weird when he put his hand up to ask for help and felt like a burden and he didn't need to feel this way.
1: You know, obviously I know because we speak together a fair bit and, you know, we mentioned that Dwayne suffered with bipolar and depression for a number of years, but he kept his his struggles, you know, very close to his chest, so to speak. Why do you think that was the main reason why he sort of held back. Why do you think, as, as as Dwayne's best mate, obviously you knew more about him than than most people, why do you feel like he, he hid the pain so well and put a great big smile on his face?
2: Well, probably two reasons. You know, Dwayne always, life of the party, smile on his face, and he just wanted everyone to have fun. He just always wanted people to have fun no matter what he was going through. So that's one side, and that's why no one could tell. But secondly... I just don't think he felt comfortable in accepting his mental illness himself because of these negative connotations that are out there and this, these beliefs that we've all been sort of taught from a very young age. It's just what he knew. And that's no one's fault. It's just how society is and that's why we're doing what we're doing so we can change society. He felt like a burden. you know. He, he felt as though what he was going through was, was bringing everyone around him down and it was certainly not the case. You know, I'd used to chase him around the Gold Coast and, and I'd do it all again in a heartbeat because it's just what you do. I think he's probably, his hardest point was he just didn't understand. Therefore, he didn't know how to communicate. So he didn't understand what he was actually going through, so therefore he couldn't
1: articulate it to someone. So sort of he hid the pain behind all of that. And sort of just what, what, what a lot of men are told these day, this day and age is, you know, suck it up or you'll be right, mate, just deal with it. So he basically just sort of sucked it up and, and lived with it day to day.
2: Yeah, and he didn't want to be perceived as weak, I suppose, you know. All of his mates, you know, none of them are living with a mental illness who you know they probably wouldn't understand. And as you just said, a lot of them would probably just say, suck it up, you'll be right. And you know, that never helps anyone. That only sort of adds to the burden and adds to the shame and I suppose that was probably it too, you know, he didn't want to be perceived as weak.
1: Yeah, and it just goes against everything that I guess what we're trying to to achieve with living and that's to end the stigma around mental health through community education within schools and workplaces, and then obviously the, the amazing apparel that you and I are both representing right now, which I'm sure many other people can relate to. I just want to ask anyone that is listening and who will be listening, if someone's struggling in silence that doesn't know who to turn to or what to do, what's your personal advice to them?
2: It's a complex answer because you know, everyone's completely different. I suppose the one thing that can relate to anyone, this might sound contradicting. People don't care what you're doing day to day and, and whatnot as long as you're happy. You know They don't care. They'll, they'll move on with their life and do what they got to do. But as a whole, they truly do care about you. To simplify it further, in the micro, people don't care. But in the macro and, and your overall well-being, they care about you more than you'll ever know. You are not a burden. And it is okay to ask for help, whether that be you know, your parents, a friend, a family member, or, or even a stranger, a teacher at school people genuinely want to help and you know sometimes people don't know how to help so they might sort of avoid it altogether but that's what we're trying to change we're trying to teach people how to help each other
1: and how to reach out and ask for help sometimes when we don't have the words to to ask for help we we've got to learn and I guess teach people those tools and strategies to be able to reach out and ask for help when they desperately need it
2: yeah I suppose to summarize all of that it's the hardest point is usually first putting your hand up and, and reaching out but it's oftentimes the most rewarding and and it's the start of a a wonderful journey back to wellness and happiness.
1: Yeah, definitely, mate. I I fully agree. And mate, I want to add to that. I remember my relationship with Dwayne obviously wasn't as close as you and him were, obviously, but I did, you know, get the opportunity to play football and Uh, alongside Dwayne in representative touch football teams and whatnot growing up. And, you know, to back everything up that you said, life of the party, very charismatic. He was always, you know, having a good time. You know, him and I used to always say, let's go to the top. It's a place that we we sort of imagined. It was just a fun place that we'd just, you know, we'd be so confident and full of life together. That's a place that we, we were always going to. And I remember very, very clearly the night of September 15 of 2013, the night Dwayne actually invited me to his place for a little bit of a barbecue and drinks and watching the football and whatnot. And I wasn't really aware about Dwayne's struggles. I was very similar to you in the regards that I didn't really know what they meant. Even though I've I've had my own experiences with these things in the past, I didn't really understand how to articulate it myself. So I can, I can resonate with that. And I remember Dwayne calling me into his room that night and He opened up to me and and, and told me some very secretive, deep things that, you know, I didn't even see coming. I was so caught off guard, I didn't see it coming. And, you know, mentioned that he was, you know, he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I didn't have any idea. But what I was trying to do is listen as best as I possibly could have. I was trying to reassure him that things were great and that he had an an amazing support network around. And I remember Dwayne telling me that evening that he tried to take his life before. And I didn't really know what to say. And I know when I look back now and the things that I've learned through the establishment of Livin and the people that we work alongside, problem solving, Sam kicked into play. So there's a lot of talking. It's fine that that's what you try to do. And Dwayne reassuring me that life was great and that his future looked bright and promising and it was certainly nothing he was ever going to try and do ever again. And problem-solving Sam kept reassuring and talking, you'll be right, please reach out to me if you're ever in a dark place again. I'll always be here for you. You've got an amazing support network. From the outside looking in, his life looked amazing. But obviously behind closed doors, as you said, Dwayne suffered you know, with some challenges that not many people really knew about. And at the end of the day, didn't really know how to talk about it. And I didn't know that that was possibly the last time I was going to see Dwayne in living proof. I remember Dwayne telling me, you know, some of his last words was, Webb, don't worry man, I'm fine, I'm sweet, all is good. And that was the last time that I saw Dwayne alive. Dwayne ended up taking his life that night. I remember ringing him, flat stick, when I knew that he, you know, disappeared from the party and I was calling him, calling and calling and calling and texting and texting and still no response. And I still to this day would have thought that he would have at least answered or reached out and, you know, answered the calls when I rang or when you rang or, you know, when his mum rang and stuff like that. And I sit here and beat myself up about it every single day. You know, could I have done more? Should I have done more? But, you know, I thought I said everything and listened as best as I possibly could have in the moment that I was there. And that impact that Dwayne's death, his suicide death had on an entire community was life-changing for a lot of us. And I guess that's where living started. And I want to ask you this. I mean, reflecting on that night when I remember speaking with you, you know, what was going through your head? Were you thinking the worst? Were you thinking, nah, he'll show up? Like,
2: Yeah, it's so for a bit of backstory, I wasn't there that night. I was at a, at a friend's homecoming, a friend that lived overseas for a bit. Dwayne was actually meant to be there. But I think once he got home from work, it was a Saturday uh, he'd got home from work. He'd had a few too many beers out. Well, he had two or three beers. He couldn't drive. So instead, he invited the party to his house. But uh, I couldn't leave this person. So, um, yeah, we were texting each other through the night. We were hoping to catch up later in the night and whatnot. But So that's kind of the backstory there. But when I found out he'd gone missing, of course, I tried to ring him 100 times and message and whatnot. And Stuff like this had happened before, but at this time I just knew it wasn't right. I knew I had to ring his parents, and that was probably the hard, hardest phone call I've ever made. So, uh, just because I knew it wasn't right, and I, I knew something was wrong, um, so they're trying to ring him. And when he didn't answer their calls, I, I knew something was seriously up. And then um, I was then driving all around the Gold Coast, which I probably shouldn't have been. I'd had a few too many beers, but I didn't really care. I was actually ringing the police because I knew Dwayne had been drinking, and I was. I was telling them that, and I wanted them to find him and you know pull him over and take him to to prison because it would have been a lot safer for him. But they they pretty much told me to piss off. But obviously I was I was quite stressed and never been so stressed in my life. But come two or three a.m., I'd never been more calm, and I I just knew, I just knew it was time to go home, and I'd wake up to a call saying that he'd been found and. I was just kind of, I don't know, it was weird. I was just at peace. I just knew what had happened and woke up to to no calls, (laughs) no messages. I actually woke up to a message from a girl that I'd been trying to date or take on a few dates. Sorry, we'd never been on a date. I'd tried, not through lack of trying, but I actually had a message from her saying, hey, would you like to catch up for breakfast? I was like, this is weird. So I went on the date, but I told her, I said, look, I'd, Probably aren't, I'm not going to be any good, this is what's happened last night and I think the food hadn't even come out and I'd left and I'd gone with Dwayne's parents to uh, Broadbeach Police Station to, to lodge a missing persons report. Um, unbeknown to us at the time, uh, when we were in there, a phone call actually had come through saying he'd been found. We weren't notified for another three or four hours afterwards. Oh no, I think because I had a, a greater understanding of the situation and I knew sort of what was going on, with Dwayne, I knew that it was real and I knew that it could happen. Hence, the, I was just stressed and I was just, not really angry, I was just stressed. Got to find him, got to find him, got to find him, looking fucking everywhere for him. But then, yeah, next day, looking for him everywhere once again and I happened to be on his bed when we got the phone call. Car pulled into the driveway and um, I remember it clearly, it looked like his car, so I've jumped up running didn't even make the door and I got the phone call and I, I didn't even need to answer. I knew what it was and yeah. It's funny the Bulldogs were playing that afternoon in a in a semi-final. I believe they were playing Newcastle. I thought for sure the Bulldogs were gonna win on the back of Dwayne, but um, I think they ended up getting towed up. So yeah, I think the rest after that was a bit of a, a blur for, for a couple of years. Yeah, you my know, memory became bad and you know, you look back and you talk to, to professionals and trauma does that to you everything's a bit of a blur yeah remember, remember the funeral all parts of it and the weeks and, and the, the days after but it, it all becomes one big blur and as you touched on it rips everyone apart his family are the the most beautiful family and he's not here to be with them
1: as you said man Dwayne was a a very, very close man with his family, and they would just never be the same again for him, you know, and that's the hardest thing that this uh, this impact has on so many people.
2: Dwayne's mum comes in here once a week or once a fortnight. We, we go and have lunch, and, and it's amazing, but I'll never replace him, that's for sure. So, you know, we, we got married in the uh, last year, and he wasn't there. Had a kid, he wasn't there, and this is what happens. What happens?
1: I guess when we when we look at all that and, and what's been made in Dwayne's honour and in Dwayne's legacy with living, I'm sure he'd be looking down right now and looking at the work and, and everything that's gone into living and, and looking at you going, you know, how grateful he is that, you know, this, this 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 beast is saving lives.
2: He'd be laughing. He'd be saying, suck shit, look at all the work you got to do. Of course he'd be proud and he'd be loving it, but he'd be very cheeky saying, look how busy you are, look how stressed you are. <laughs> And just point shit at me which which is good.
1: That's him to a T That's your relationship to a T man. And I, I guess, you know, to to add on to that, I I've never seen Dwayne so happy on that night. You know, after the conversation we had and it was just, you know, life of the party. The happiest man there, loudest man there and
2: He didn't mean to do what he did, it it just happened and unfortunately it's not, not something he can, you know. Live to regret or or, or take back it, it what happened happened. Well, I can guarantee if he had that moment over again, he would never have done that. But yeah, unfortunately, it's happened, and you know he would have been happy. That's Dwayne. He would have been making sure everyone else was having a great night too. So you know it just happened, and it's it's one of those.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better?
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
3: a lot can happen in three years like a chat bot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com
2: spur of the moment things where in that moment he made a decision and unfortunately he can't take that back and We've just got to accept that that's a decision he made. He's a grown man, and that's a decision he made in that moment. And um, we've just got to stop people from joining him.
1: Yeah, definitely, man, hundred percent. And that's what we're that's what we're here for, and that's what we do with living. And before we move on to this next part of this session, you, you catch up with with Dwayne's mum and, and dad and sister quite regularly. Obviously, you mentioned that before. W- what are their thoughts on living and and everything and the work that gets done in the community like? today is it like a bittersweet feeling for them like what do you guys get to talk much about that like how does that all
2: play out it's kind of the, the unsaid sort of very very proud but yeah it's it's perfect world they don't need to be proud you know Dwayne's dad he he runs everywhere he runs he's got a living hat on and he's got a a shirt with Dwayne's face on it and you'll see him running in in all of the local Gold Coast events and uh, when it's hot, when it's cold, when it's raining. And, you know, he's always got a smile on his face because he's running with his son. It's hard for him, it's hard for everyone, but they're proud. They love to see the impact that it's having all the positive impact that it's having in, in people's lives.
1: In in its own unique way, it's like Dwayne's still with us. He's still making a positive impact on people's life. This is what, you know, he set out to do.
2: Yeah, I, I often say Dwayne, Dwayne lives on in the smiles of the faces whose lives he impacts. That's, you know, when when someone, you know, they're smiling, that, that's Dwayne, because that's all he ever did. If he wasn't angry, he was smiling. So 98% of the time he was smiling. An interesting fact too, they say a death by
1: suicide has a direct impact on, they say 115 people's lives. But you and I both can attest that the number far outweighs that you can't put a put a number on someone's
2: life. You can't put a number on any death, especially by suicide. It just never goes away, it lives with you forever. and. Dwayne's sister's pregnant, and I'm sure that baby will know all about her uncle. So, you know, it, it just lives on, and it, and it just keeps – that ripple just sort of keeps multiplying, and yeah. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with you with that.
1: Mate, moving on, where are you right now? As, we, as we're speaking with you, obviously I'm in L.A. I've
2: dialed you in. Whereabouts are you? I'm in the office in uh, Burley. I'm in my little hot box. It's a, it's a warm summer's day. It's about 33 degrees at uh,
1: 9.30 in the morning. I haven't had a chance really to explain because this is the first episode, to introduce the show, um, and I wanted to leave it for you and I to both let people know what we're about. The people that don't know anyway, give us a bit of a rundown about some of the work that gets done out of Living Headquarters and an overall you know vision and mission, what we're working towards.
2: Well, for a small team, we got six of us in here, and then there's yourself, Sammy. Plus, you know, we get we, not to discount the wonderful volunteers and supporters that we have. You know, some of them jump in and get their hands dirty, but a lot of work gets pumped out of here for such a small amount of people. I don't think people realize how small the team is, how many different sort of hats we're wearing. But um, so we've got Kelly. She's in charge of fundraisers. That's processing the, the fundraisers. It's helping coordinate the fundraisers. Then it's sort of issuing all the the receipts and, and all the compliance and governance in relation with the fundraisers. Uh, we've then got Shay. Shay's come on board this year. She's in charge of um, organizing all the logistics for our Living Well Education Program, um, which is our crowning glory. Uh, that's the education program which goes out to the schools, businesses, sporting clubs, uh, right around the country. And I believe we've delivered some sessions uh, in other countries around the world, uh, New Zealand, United States. I believe that's it so far. Maybe London as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's quite a big job for, for one person. We've got 18 facilitators right now Uh, they're just all subcontractors and they're all around the country here in australia A 45-minute presentation and this is what we believe will have that impact From an education standpoint, you know, it's uh, it's something that we're very proud of. It's yeah warning signs symptoms Where to go for help how to help yourself how to have those conversations? It's something
1: that you and I didn't have growing up in schools and a lot of people don't have in workplaces or or universities and I guess that's the reason why we kicked off living well so that we could educate the masses that it ain't weak to speak, but also to educate people the warning signs, the symptoms, self-help strategies, maybe how to help someone else where to go for help if they are struggling. It's amazing, you know I can talk from you know my experiences as being a facilitator within schools and workplaces how many people are actually uneducated around the topic of mental health and suicide prevention so I think You know, we hear it, you know, firsthand, the impact that this program has on people from all over Australia. That's for sure. And it goes to show that programs like this are are very much needed.
2: Certainly. And I think we're our own worst critics too because we sit there and we always question ourselves and question each other. What more can we be doing? The Living Well presentation itself, when you peel it back, it's quite simple. But that's what's needed because we've never learnt anything. But I think the real positive and the real strength of it is it simplicity but also it's real, it's relatable. And our facilitators, you know, it's a standardized program but they throw in their own lived experience to it which makes it relatable and that's what people really resonate with and yeah, it's, it's amazing to see all the different facilitators and the little touch that they put on it and their own sort of, you know, the pride that they take in, in helping affect people's lives. Um, you know, these people were strangers to us not that long ago and now they're, they're part of the living family and we are so grateful for them um, and all the work that they do each of them have got their own
1: unique journey and their own lived experience and their own story, which they add in for, for the live and well angle. And, and I guess it goes to show that, you know, struggling and, and having mental health challenges or an illness is very common. And if you're struggling with a diagnosable mental illness right now, you're definitely not alone. There are a lot of other people that are in, in a situation similar to yourself but I'm also very mindful that no one knows exactly how anyone else feels. So if I've got anxiety, in case you've got anxiety, I can't sit here and say, I know exactly how you feel. I might get an understanding of how you feel, but I certainly don't know exactly how you feel because that's the beauty of being a person. We're all very different and we're all very unique.
2: Yeah, that's also the beauty of you know, people getting help or, or, or self-care. What works for myself doesn't necessarily work for you and vice versa. So it's all about finding that balance and finding what works for you and what makes you happy. And then obviously
1: the merch obviously creates a conversation and it's almost like a behavioural change. People become part of the living initiative, so to speak. You get the nod of approval if you see someone else walking down the street with a living hat or a snapback or, or a hoodie on. Can you shed some more light on the on the vision around the merch case?
2: Yeah, well, with the staff members I just sort of mentioned, um... I was going round in in my head. It's easy to go around in order of, of where they sit in the office. <laughs> so next cab off the rank is actually my wife Amy. She's been from us from you know when it was just Sam and I. Uh, she came in and uh, alleviated some of that burden or some of that load on us. And um, so she's kind of across everything we do, but she's mainly in in the merch. Um, it's kind of the background she came in from before. You know she had her own boutique and label and etc. Blah blah blah. But The merch started for us as a conversation starter. It started as a form of advertising for us. You know, when we first started, we had no money. No one has any money. So we had to use what we could use. And luckily for us, we knew a few famous people, somewhat famous. We won't give them a big head. But uh, Mr. Alex Glenn, you know, NRL player, opened up a lot of doors for us and and a few of the other boys that we played with when we were kids. And the joys of social media, a lot of free advertising and it kind of is all these walking, talking billboards, and it just took off like wildflower.
1: And the merch, funny enough, it was the first thing that we launched within Livin back back in 2013. I remember very clearly you, myself, and Dwayne's mum and Travi sitting up at Mermaid Beach Tavern on the Gold Coast. Never forget it. And we are thinking around names, around this possible movement or whatever it was at that stage, and Livin was born. Can you spread because I've got a few questions here can I spread some uh, a question there around living how did that start where did the name come from
2: well it's funny um, Sam might have kittens when I retell this story we were trying to pick up a name and I think out of nowhere I said oh saying like what about living or just living and everyone kind of looked at me like Are you an idiot and I said no no I got some good reasons. So Dwayne, if you go back through his Instagram, it's all there. He used to hashtag Livin and a few other things, L-I-V-I-N, same as us. But <laughs> Sam, if no one knows, Sam's also quite OCD clean freak. Sam lived in America many moons ago um, when he was he was an investment banker, weren't you?
1: No, I worked in finance. Don't talk me out that much, mate. I was just in a, as, as an associate in finance, just out of uni.
2: <laughs> used to wear these oversized brown suits, <laughs> but but anyway Sammy's so got a house here in, um, in Burley so this is you know Dwayne's alive it was my birthday one year and um, I was living in Sam's house looking after it doing my best anyway while he was living in America and it's my birthday one night Dwayne was there uh, a few of the boys from the footy club were there and we're having a few drinks getting a bit rowdy and Dwayne goes let's have a ceiling party you know, what's a ceiling party? he goes, I'll show you so he runs inside to the lounge room grabs a dining chair and (laughs) just straight up through the ceiling, the four legs of the chair, pulls it out and does it again. And he's got the big cheeky smile on his face to go, what the hell are you doing? He goes, just living. And that's kind of how that started. Anyway, my jaw's on the floor. I don't know what to do next. Uh, And Dwayne's run off up to my room to grab my laptop so he could Skype Sam to show him what he's just done to the ceiling. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's insane uh,
2: So he's scot- I, was he's wasn't, Sam I wasn't and, too unhappy and I'm yelling at him he goes don't worry I'll be here to fix it tomorrow so my birthday's November it's quite hot next day he's crawling through the ceiling true to his word fixing this ceiling but the ceiling's got all that insulation and back then it was the it was the itchy insulation so all I could hear him in this hot ceiling whinging and I, <laughs> I'm yelling out who's living now you little shit yeah, you know, it's something that he always used to say and it's it's what we want people doing. So it's a very fitting name, I I I believe.
1: It totally is, and I'll never forget that. I remember him skyping me, I was in the middle of the Midwest, obviously other ends of the planet, and it was freezing. And you guys are just telling me about putting holes in my roof and I actually knew it was going to get fixed, but I was deep down trying to pretend it was going to be all good, man, but it was it was killing me. It was killing me. But On that note, I remember, obviously, at Dwayne's Wake and and we put T-shirts together and we had Dwayne's face on it um, with one of his messages that he used prominently on his Instagram and from a famous song that he likes by Xavier Rudd. I mean, the merch was one of our first pillars from living. I remember, you know, running we were running the merch from my kitchen at one stage. Then it was the bedroom at the house in Dabchick Drive in Burley Heads.
2: Looking back at it, I remember... We did these shirts for everyone to wear to the funeral. and uh, They obviously didn't have Livin' on them, just as you said, Dwayne's face and the song. We were going to give the money to his family and they just kind of turned around and said, no, donate it to a charity or do something with it. So that's kind of how Livin's first started. We then had the meeting and came up with the name and originally we just intended to to make clothes and donate to a charity, but when we sort of peeled back the, the layers, we, we couldn't find a charity that was doing exactly what we wanted to do or that, or what we knew, we you know someone like Dwayne needed. and that was education to to break that stigma and, and make people feel comfortable in asking for help. There's plenty of great service providers in Australia, in the United States, but there's also plenty of people living in silence through fear of judgment. So we just knew we had to connect the two, and you know we started with the clothes, and it just kind of grew and grew, and you know we kept adding things on, but. The clothes were, were a great way for us. You know, the first drop was five shirts and then 10 shirts. And it just grew each time.
1: Yeah, I remember running home
2: from my part-time
1: job. I was full-time at that stage, packing orders and sending them off to people. And one thing, like you said, grew to the next. And before we knew it, you and I were full-time in this in this organization. We'd reached, recently pitched it to Minter Ellison, turned us to a charity. And before we knew it, we were a nationally recognized organization.
2: From the very start, we've just been so grateful for all the, like, we've received so much support from people. I suppose that's probably because of how big this problem is. In a perfect world, we'd sort of have no one asking us to, to help us, and we'd, we'd have to be sort of begging people or, or trying to explain what it is, what we're doing, but people just get it because it's such a big problem, uh, and they want to help. But yeah, back to that, I remember, yeah, the store in the at mum and dad's, and, and my house which was a road from the office here, and it's funny, the house across the road, from the office here, used to flood. All the clothes were underneath the house, it was on a hill. It used to flood, so whenever there was a lot of rain, all the clothes had to stack them up in boxes, and it's come a long way from, you know, hands and knees, packing orders, and, and lining up at the post office to send them out, but I still remember the first time I saw someone wearing a living shirt where I didn't know the person. It was in James Street here in Burley, and so it was, it was great, it was local as well, and I just remember going up and shaking his hand and thanking him. We've got some of our first shirts here on show in the office and glad we've come a long way from there. Jeez.
1: Yeah, vintage, mate. Might have to bring him back one day. But I, uh, as you said, it creates a conversation. It's, it's the cool factor that was missing that I think you and I brought to the mental health sector, so to speak. We wouldn't certainly be in this situation that we're in today if we didn't have the help and the support from people literally all over the world. Australia... Obviously, everyone's been so giving, supportive. There are people literally in all corners of Australia that have bent over backwards for living, have helped push living in the right direction. And, you know, we thank you guys wholeheartedly for your countless time, commitment. And, and it goes to show that there are a lot of Dwaynes out there. I mean, Casey, you and I hear stories of suicide pretty much on a day-to-day basis, this is something that we've we've been hearing now for, for six years. The problem hasn't necessarily gotten any better. What's your thoughts what's your visions for the future and how do you think we could really make a
2: difference here? That's another question that we always ask you know we round table here in the office because I suppose we're lucky we're in a well, I haven't actually mentioned our two other staff members yet we've got our marketing manager Geordie who she wears a million different hats and then we've got Luco our psychologist and um, Luke. We're very lucky to have him on board. He's formerly of the Australian Defence Force. So all these people, we have like a culture of continuous learning. I don't think any of us sit back on our laurels and and just sort of let things happen. We're always wanting to be better. I know next year we're we're going to embark on a social impact journey just so we can gauge where we're at and, and better communicate with the masses the impact that we are having take pe- more people on that journey with us because it's just what we need to do. I suppose the, the grand vision is just to affect to change so people feel comfortable in asking for help, increasing that help-seeking behaviour uh, because as we said earlier, there's plenty of great service providers in this country and, and even outside of that, there's plenty of great support networks, your friends, your family, your dogs, your, your cats even. There's plenty of these great support networks around. It's just about... Educating people on how to engage with them and how to connect and bringing happiness back to people's lives. It's such a culture of, of busyness and stress now that we just need to remember how to be happy.
1: And I'm looking at your shirt here, mate, and then obviously the picture in the background. You've got Dwayne and yourself on a, on a handcrafted piece of artwork behind you in your office, but you've got a shirt that says, You Matter, which is obviously made through the Livin, um, one of Livin's collections. Every single person matters, and it's something that we touch on quite regularly within the culture within Living, and it's something that we push across to our community. If you ever feel alone, I'm gonna in the show notes there, there will be a list of professional service help providers within the area, both local, national, that will provide within the show notes. So if anyone is experiencing a hard time or wants to find out how to get help or take the next step, we'll make sure that we can help point you in the right direction there case before we before we wrap up the show because obviously we could talk all day this this episode is is dedicated to to the start of the living podcast it ain't weak to speak podcast we want to send this message viral we want everybody to know that they aren't alone we want to educate communities to speak up and to seek help because the more people that we can educate the more lives that we could potentially save and we want to reinforce that with our mantra it ain't weak to speak now case before we close before we wrap up what's the takeaway message that we could leave our listeners with today that that are wanting to join the journey and be part of the living initiative what do you say to them
2: well i suppose you touched on it before you matter so it doesn't matter who you are uh, what you're experiencing you matter to us and we 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 want you to feel part of the living community and make it your own so you might live in katherine northern territory You can create a living community there. Just because you live in Catherine doesn't mean you can't be part of the living community. We want people to feel a part of that community and we want people to to be pillars or advocates of of change and and lead by example and and practice self-care daily. Whatever it is that makes you happy, practice it daily. Uh, Encourage those around you to practice self-care daily. Checking in on the the neighbor next to you or mowing someone's lawn or paying for someone's coffee, there's something that's so small but will make you feel good and make the person that you give that that gift to feel great so i think it's about doing the little things right we want people to do the little things right because they add up to the big things consistency and wellness is a journey so you can't just go take one tablet and and think to be cured it's a continuous journey and we want people to continually work at their wellness because you are you matter and you're worth it and you're loved
1: absolutely amen to that man amen to that and for everyone listening, if you want to find out more, you can head to Livin's socials at Livin.org or you can head straight to our website and find out more about who we are, which is www.livin.org. If you also want to join the Facebook community group after the podcast to continue the conversation, um, you can find that as well at the Livin.org website as well. Thanks for, for joining us on the first episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. We look forward to, to speaking again. Keep living, keep working, and send all the love to the staff, mate, and we'll chat soon. See you, mate. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you. But in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you, and have a top day.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.